literally these children I, are poor. I was like, I was like, why did I put this in the season of crushes? I don't know. Um, well, I think what had happened was, um, happened I think when we were throwing out all of these season of crushes ideas, we both just like expanded that idea and it became more about like, oh, the preteen movies with kid actors that we really like. Because that's why in the 90s. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, why a just, lot of movies ended a, up on here that probably are not yeah. like crush movies. It was a little bit of like mixing genres for it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was like ridiculous. Yes. But here we are talking about the little rascals. Um, there's obviously also a whoopee connection to the film, which I'm excited Dude, to dude that was such, all the cameos were such delightful surprises. Like this movie was a delight with a capital D. Total delight. And how many movies have we watched this season where we rewatched it and we're like, why, no, we're why like, did what? this happen? Why did this happen? You watch the little rascals today and you're like, this definitely should have happened. It should happen more. It should happen more now. I feel bad that the kids today don't have shows like that. You know, yeah, exactly. Meet content like this. Fucking genius from so top genius. To bottom. So genius. Also, did you ever watch Little Rascals, like the black and white, like old show? I have so much to say. I did. You did. That was gonna be one of my first questions. So, like, my dad was a huge like OG Little Rascals series fan, and he yeah. still to this day quotes it. Oh, there's uh, you, you. You might know this episode, but there's an episode where I don't know, like they're eating artichokes or something for the first time. And Stymie goes, it may choke Artie, but it ain't going to choke Stymie. And he decides not to eat it. <laughs> I but my dad says that literally every time there's an artichoke in the vicinity. Um, no, never watched the original series. Um Tell me your experience with it. And then I have my film, my film historian nerd ass has a lot to share. Yes. Well, it used to come on like syndication um, in syndication when we were kids. So like early morning, I feel like it was one of the things that was like on. But it was one of those things that was like on like early, early, like before I love Lucy early, like, you know, like and, you know, in the, when I was a kid, at, like elementary age. There were days I would I was having to wake up at like ass o'clock for whatever reason because you know my parents had to be at work early and so to get me ready for school, so it's one of those shows that like I watched like on a very little TV in the kitchen kind of thing. Oh my god! Like the, the, it, those really remember how we tiny those really tiny long, TVs, long TV. Yeah, yeah. It's like a little telescope with a TV on the end of it. Well, you had that. I, I had. I like, you know, know. I was just like a regular. <laughs> I didn't have anything. Oh, well, I, had, I, just, I just had a little square box, little TV that kind of yeah. sat, you know, um, that little uh, triangular little ledge that you have between the living room and the kitchen, that little nook. The triangular. In your, in your, in, in your, pa- in your parents' Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The little Yeah, little it, was, it was a TV that could fit, like, on that. Like, that's how tiny these TVs are. And so, um, so I would watch it then, and... So, you know, came to love all the all the characters, loved a little alfalfa, you know. And so uh, when I when the so when the movie came out in homage to that, like I was, you know, I was excited to see it because I had grown up watching Little Rascals early in the morning. Oh, my God. It's wonderful. My uh, yeah. before we delve into the history. So um, this was my first time watching Little Rascals, the movie. Watching anything, Little Rascals, honestly, because I, I didn't wa- grow up with the series. Um, it just missed me for whatever reason. But 
all I remember is when we were in high school, which is after this movie came out. So it must have been, you have to fill me in, because it must have been the kind of thing where, like, a bunch of our friends discovered that you all loved this movie. And you there was a period where, like, you, Amy, Logan, Emily, yes, the four of you at least, were quoting this movie all the time. The, I got a dollar, I got a dollar, I got a dollar, hey, 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 hey. Like, that was happening all the time. <laughs> and it was, it, like, for a while. In my memory, it was for, like, months. And I was just like, I don't understand, like, what this is from. And I've never seen this movie. And then I never, like, took... I never put in the effort to see the movie, which I should have. Watching it on Sunday, I was like, I'm so sad that I I didn't see this when it came out. Because it was so good then. It's so delightful. And that's the thing. I feel like, I feel like one of the things I connected with in watching it again was, like, the ways in which the humor is, like, smart because you're basically watching all these very precocious children mm-hmm. was something that we could already appreciate yes. at like 11 yes. watching these like six and seven year olds. Right. Like it Delightful. was like cute to watch kids slightly younger than us, like be so precocious and cute. Yes. <laughs> cute. And it like still feels that way today. I'm like, Oh, like y'all are the, y'all, literally, Oh, like every one of them is like so precious. Like every line, yes. every freaking everything the whole thing i have to the whole script the script should have been nominated because like no it's it's so so true it's so true and i also feel like i I was so i was first of all i was like this movie is so unique i've never seen anything like it we'll never see anything like it again because the whole time i was just like this must have been the biggest nightmare to make because these kids are so young it's just like a bunch of kids they're so young they're so young you have to nail such very specific like like multi-syllabic words. It must words. have taken and forever. Like, <laughs> and then say it like they understand the words. Exactly. And then... <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Exactly. Oh, Did you... All these like child actors and they're like stage parents and stuff, you know? It's like a oh, horde like a of child set. actors. It's probably like, a nightmare really set for so many fucking reasons. So many but reasons. I, you know what I was thinking with the, with the Michelle and... Uh, the Mary Kate and Ashley cameo. Yes, yes, yes. Was like, how much did y'all get paid? Yeah, for to real. To be in it for two minutes. Like, for did y'all get paid more than these child actors that ran oh, the yeah, whole film? Oh yeah, of course they like, did. Of course they. You did. know, like just to say hello, like just to say two lines. That must have. That and budget then, like, must have been upset. Like, and then that did that upset the other children? Like, mm-hmm. I know that they got paid more than me to like just say nothing. Like, <laughs> I mean, the other children were all. That's the other thing I loved about it is the all the other children were unknowns, right? Um. Yes, except for Blake McIver Ewing, who also Blake McIver Ewing, House, Yankee Doodle Dandy, <laughs> yeah, yeah, who was also on Full House. I definitely pulled that clip up earlier today. I was like, I have to watch this clip where he's like, you know, a musical theater boy. Yeah. Well, I'll do synopsis, and then we could talk a little bit about okay. history. So, right, synopsis okay. is mischievous youngsters Spanky, Travis Tedford, and Buckwheat Ross Elliott Bagley of. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Oh, Fresh Prince fame, yes. Lead an anti-girl organization, and they pick their buddy Alfalfa, Bug Hall, iconic name, to represent them in an all-important soapbox car rally. When the boys then find their driver canoodling with schoolmate Darla, Brittany Ashton Holmes, they decide they must break up the couple. Unfortunately, while Spanky and his pals are busy meddling in Alfalfa's affairs, their prized race car is nabbed by two young toughs. I love this synopsis Mwah, to whoever wrote it. Um, the wild thing about 
the Little Rascals is how long these characters have been around. So the last time we had a Little Rascals something was 2014. They did a sequel, like a movie sequel to this, which have you seen? I haven't seen it. No. Okay. So that's the latest Little Rascal thing. And these characters go all the way back to the silent era in film history, to like the 20s. That's when they were all born. Um, uh-huh. What you were, uh-huh. what I assume you were watching when you were a kid was, so in the 20s, um, before feature films, there was always like a short cartoon or like a comedy short or whatever. And yeah. they had ones called Our Gang. And that's what Little Rascals were originally called. Um, uh-huh. And uh-huh. then obviously like when, like with many of the, these little shorts, like Looney Tunes, same thing. Once TV was invented, they sort of dug up all of these old properties and all these shorts and were like, oh, maybe we can repackage this and run them on TV. And so they give them mm-hmm. like a whole new life, you know. And yeah. uh, that's, I mean, my understanding is that that's what happened with Little Rascals. So the, like those shorts were probably like repackaged in a way. And then like that's what was on oh. TV. I didn't know that. I love learning a little bit of film history. Love film history. Um, And what's interesting to me about that is that you think about, like, these are literal, like, the characters are supposed to be, what, like, five, six? Like, some of the actors are older, but they're, they're clearly supposed to be, like, super young kids. And it's just amazing to me, like, how normalized it was at that time for, like, five and six year olds just be, like, running around, like... on their own you know what I mean Um, but it was very of its time Um, and I think so because the show or any kind of Little Rascal series has been um, out of syndication for many many years people started I guess like coming up with theories as to why that was and did you hear the theory about Bill Cosby that he pulled them so there's this there's this like urban legend that Bill Cosby acquired the rights like, he went out of his way to acquire the rights because he was offended by the Buckwheat character. He thought it was a really harmful stereotype. Oh, wow. And he pu- he acquired the rights to all the Little Rascals properties just so he could pull them from syndication, oh. which I always assumed was true. It's not true. Mm. Um, it's not mm. actually true. It's just something, like, somebody made up. But, but if you do, like, do a, a Wikipedia deep dive um, on, you know, like, the rights to the property, it's just very... It's one of those um, it's one of those like intellectual properties that's just been like tossed around like a million times. And it just like, I don't know, it, it just got lost in the ether somehow. There's like a few shows like that, right, that you just don't see anymore yeah. because it's in like distribution hell or whatever mm. um, because of whoever ended up with the rights. So anyway, um, Frank Capra was a writer on the original series. Frank Capra of yes. It's a Wonderful um, Life. It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. Yes. And um, there was also supposedly um, this is sort of like um, like there was with uh, the Poltergeist series. Uh, There was supposedly a curse among the original cast members because most of them died before the age of 65. So people Mm. think that there's a curse in the original series. But anyway, a little bit of a little bit of the history. Our gang, a.k.a. Little Rascals. Oh, well, watching it took me down memory lane. Aww. So watching this, um, when did it come out? 94, 95? 94, okay. yes. Yeah, so it was like fifth grade going into sixth grade. 
classic, 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 classic. So I'm curious about your take, because, like, this was your first time watching it. Oh, my God. And so I guess just walk me through, like, your initial reflections, like, I have so... watching this Like, as I was watching it, I was like, I feel like I want to watch this 10 more times and write, like, a dissertation about it somehow. Um, (laughs) No, really. Like, I just, it gave me so much. Um, So, like, just on the surface level, I was like, this is a pure delight. Like, from start to finish, I was laughing. It was so goofy. Like, a lot of the visual gags were, like, they did this beautiful job of updating it, but also, like, doing all these delightful throwbacks to clearly, like, from the time Mm -hmm. that it was invented. Like, even Mm -hmm. that visual gag in the very beginning where Buckwheat and, um, who, oh, who's that little kid? Who's the little kid that hangs out with Buckwheat? And the both of them do. Spanky? Not Spanky. Because Spanky's the main kid. It's, like, because Spanky's the the one who's, like, I'm the blah, blah, blah. Uh, <laughs> frog? No, that's not Froggy. Not Froggy, who um, I assume is your favorite, because he's like a little Rick Moranis. Yeah, he's a he's a cutie pie. Oh, Porky, Porky, Porky. Porky. yes, yes, yes. Um, when the two of them are fishing and the dog comes to like give them the note, first of all, like dog is a main character. Like I'm sold. Like I'm right on board. Uh, <laughs> which again, like another yet another reason why this movie must have been a fucking nightmare to make. Like they're wrangling all these kids, and on top of that, a dog is in like almost every fucking scene. Like, are you kidding? Me? <laughs> and this was like the beginning of CGI. Like, why would you do this to yourselves? Yeah. But it was worth it. Like the movie was worth it. The end product was very much worth it. Um. Yeah, so that little gag where like they'll they lean all the way over and like almost fall into the water, kind oh, of thing. The, and the, the dog fi- with the with with the fish with the fishing, yeah, they're fishing. They're with the yeah. fishing, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the yeah, dog, that's like very, that's very that's very much a, ha- a callback to like silent era cinema, like, early cinema, yeah, 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 yeah. Old timey physical comedy, like I loved it. Um, the way that like, so this was my impression, but. It looks like it takes it takes place in modern times, but all the kids are still wearing really old timey stuff. Yeah, I love that. Exactly. And I love that they just did that and didn't explain it at all. I was just like, this is perfect. It's like these kids were plucked like out of time and put yes, into in the, this in world. the present. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Which kind of explains the whole like parents are not really around except for oh my god like that scene where they reveal alfalfa's father and then <laughs> he has his little heels i little fucking thing. died laughing i was like this is the funniest thing i've ever seen in my life i was just laughing the entire time i thought it was so goddamn funny like it was just it was peak comedy it was like comedic genius i loved it so much so that was amazing it was an amazing satire on toxic masculinity you know mm-hmm um because it's all about a woman haters club and it's like it's basically like saying from from the first scene like there are grown men who espouse these ideas and this is basically what they look like they look like little babies (laughs) but even i think even more on the nose at the end is like equality looks like all the women joining the he-man women haters club yes Um, which is by (laughs) the way the world we live in right yes it is (laughs) it's like oh let's join the patriarchy so we can just make all these decisions that sabotage ourselves to it 2022 like that's the that's the the culmination of you know hundreds of years of women hating and then women feeling like equality means being able to hate ourselves as much as men do like oh my god (laughs) 
That's dark, and it's and it's very true. It's very true, but it ends it ends as a love story, like you know, a patriar a patriarchal love story. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. <sighs> mm-hmm. by the end, they all have their little booze. They all have their you know. They um, do all have their little booze. Um, who's the one dating Raven Simone? Um, uh, Is it Stymie? Stymie, right? I love Stymie. Yeah. He was he's so adorable. That kid just like stole my heart. He really did. Yeah. Um. Yeah, there were there were so many cameos. I literally like every time there was a cameo, the Raven Simone one, I really had to stop and like rewind it. I was just like, I'm sorry, there have been way too many cameos in this movie. I have to make sure that that was Raven Simone. Yeah, yeah, like Reba McIntyre, Whoopi Goldberg, uh, Mel Brooks, Daryl Hannah, Daryl Hannah. What? So many. Did you say Leah Thompson? Oh, my God. Leah Thompson as the ballet teacher. That was hilarious. That was hilarious. Yeah. That whole scene was was so fucking hilarious. Like, oh my fuck. I always think it's important when we talk about like these kind of cameos. Like, this was '94. It actually wasn't too far outside Leah Thompson's like heyday of being like no. an '80s film, late '80s film darling. Like, some kind of wonderful. She also had her own. Um, was she Caroline she in the her, City? She had her own show, Caroline in the City, which was either air, at, which either was about to air or was already airing at that time. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, fucking, but, I mean, the, the most wild cameo of all, the Cheeto, pre, pre-presidency. pre Oh, yes, yes. Waldo's Cheeto, father. Chester Cheeto. <laughs> Chester Cheeto. Chester Cheeto. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I yeah. blocked that out. I know, I wanted to block it out. But while it was happening, I was paying close attention to the fact that he didn't he didn't come into his full Cheeto. He hadn't yet come into his full Cheeto at that time. Cause he wasn't no, quite full, talking. Full Cheeto is like so many more years of Mar-a-Lago mm-hmm. South Floridian living. The voice was not where it is now. His voice was like, <sighs> dare I say normal. <laughs> yeah. We weren't there yet. Thank God. <laughs> uh. It literally is one of the most grating voices in the oh history of America, of all time, of every fucking thing. Like, listening to him talk is like torture. Like, oh, true God. torture. It's like, do you want to harm yourself? Listen to him talk. Fully co-signed. I just want to blow my brains out when I hear him talking. But yeah, that's why at first I didn't quite realize it was him. And then I looked at the screen and I was like, oh my God, it's him. But his voice isn't the same. The part that made me laugh the hardest was when Waldo, the the villain, quote unquote, the villain kid. Uh, I mean, I guess there's multiple villains. There's Waldo and then there's the bullies. But Waldo is the one that steals Darla away from Alfalfa. When, when he called Alfalfa falafel, I like fell out yes. of my chair laughing. That was literally the funniest joke I've ever heard in my life. No joke will ever top that. That was the funniest thing that's ever happened. I laughed for like 10 minutes straight. I was like, that's the funniest fucking thing ever. Like, who came up with that? Genius. So good. I love this movie, Mia. I don't know if you've realized it, but it's such a delight. I got that sense from our text exchanges, and I'm glad, because it's honestly, it holds up. Like, it's one of the few things we watched this season where it's like, it holds up. You can even appreciate it probably. We probably, I mean, I can't, I haven't done like a full comparison, but I'm sure there's all these more reasons to appreciate it now watching it like 30 years later. Oh, it's you know? so good. 
Um, and I found myself torn because we talk we've talked a lot on this podcast about how um, how conflicted we feel about child actors even being a thing. You know, um, it just mm-hmm. and a lot of people. It, this is like a very active conversation that's happening. They talk about it on the Boy Meets World podcast. They a lot of former child actors and just actors in general will be like, oh, I don't think child sh- children should be actors. Like, I don't think that should be a thing. Um, Mm -hmm. and I feel torn between that belief and my enjoyment of this. (laughs) Well, I feel like this was a unique, this was a unique, like, project where I feel like it's very honoring of child actors and their brilliance and like, I agree. How, how early in age you can really be like a comedic actor. (laughs) Like, yeah. So hilarious. I mean. (laughs) Yeah, like like they are like these kids are fucking funny. Like they nail these jokes. They like really they are. Nail them. And I think especially because they're so young, and it's it's the whole cast is really really young kids. There's that extra bit of like, the thing I love about watching child actors, especially really young child actors, is there's no sense of like, there's no sense of ego. There's no sense. They're not performing. They're just being little fucking weirdos. And so it was a movie mm-hmm. of like all these fucking like five year old weirdos just being weirdos mm-hmm. together. Do you watch after the credits when they show all the bloopers or whatever? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. every blooper I feel like was the director being like, honey, stop looking into the camera. Honey, don't look at the camera. <laughs> like, Or even when Spanky was like, what's my line? What's my line? What's my line? What is my line? <laughs> um, what is my yeah. line? I also really liked at the end when uh-huh like gives that whole elaborate thing about yes. how he has a really extensive vocabulary yeah. which totally took which totally took me to like Murray and Clueless when he's like <laughs> although most of the feminine pronouns do, do have, have mocking they don't necessarily carry misogynistic oh, undertone <laughs> <laughs> wow you guys talk like grown-ups yeah, exactly I mean, this is a really good school uh, <laughs> we 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 never did clueless but i also just feel like that episode of this podcast would just be us quoting the whole movie like i don't know if we'd have I anything that, i think that's fine, I think that's fine. <laughs> we could just a do dramatic a dramatic reading. reading of the script yes which, um, which we've done before without recording it so I mean, I guess we have. Well, you've done you've do, you basically do like a one woman show of it. Like that's I do. I do all the that's in your repertoire. Who's <laughs> in my repertoire? <laughs> what do I do, Mary? Because <laughs> you even know like I don't I don't know all of Clueless. You know it from like the opening voiceover narration. I do. I do. Yeah. Do you have anything else to say about Little Rascals? Um, just that I really enjoyed it and I'm really, I was really excited about getting the opportunity to revisit it and then being pleasantly surprised that like it more than holds up and it really does something I definitely feel like I should watch more often if I ever like me to pick me up. Basically it was a film I realized, oh, if I'm feeling sad or like down in the dumps, like put on Little Rascals. Like you can't watch that. There's no way. Like, There's no way to be sad while watching It's definitely a mood, it's, yeah, it's definitely a mood booster. It's so good. Yeah. I definitely I did look up all the kids too, just to like I mean most of them stopped acting like like most kid actors do like they just said eh, fuck this, um, but I think Bug Hall who played Alfalfa is still acting. Um, a couple of them are, um, 
Okay, so when I did that, Brittany Ashton Holmes, who plays Darla, age-wise, she was a lot younger than most of the other kids. Most of the other kids were around eight or nine when they shot this, which is still really, really young. But according to IMDb, uh, the actress who played Darla was supposedly four to five years old when this film was shot, which I'm just like supposedly but i'm i'm wondering if she's just lying about her age on imdb or if it's not it's not true but when i watched the movie i'm like oh i guess she could be five i don't know we're so young they're really little so young they're really little so young she doesn't even have a she doesn't have a wikipedia page miss Brittany ashton holmes yeah First of all, that's such a 90s name. Oh, my God. All of these. Like, well, a lot of these are like they're like 90s kid actor names, like the three name. Ross Elliott Bagley. Ashton. Like, first of all, she sounds like she's related to like the character from Death Becomes Her. Because her Madeline Ashton. Ashton. Mission Ashton. I must speak with yeah, Madeline at once. 80, she was born in 89 and they. Yeah, she was five. I mean, that can't be right. I just that can't be right. She, I mean, they're young. That's the thing. I mean, all these kids were like under ten. I know it's so bonkers to me. Also, I forgot to mention this, but female director, kudos to that. Uh, it was Penelope Spheris who also directed Wayne's World. So, Wayne's World, excellent. She holds a very special place in my heart. Um, I love that. Anyway, um, oh, she's wanna... hot. Hey. Yeah, yeah. She's got she's got a vibe. Um, she's got a vibe. I feel like she's like, somewhat she's in like the... turtleneck, silver hair. Mm. I was oh. gonna say, I feel like she's kind of in the same genre as Joyce Carol Oates, like almost. You know what I mean? Okay. She All could right. be. All Maybe. Right. I don't know. Did you want to talk White Lotus? Well, it's hard to talk about it because you haven't seen it yet. Oh. So I don't want to say anything spoilery, but I do want to say to the listeners that if you have not ever watched White Lotus, it's now in season two. Um, so you can watch, you can binge watch season one, which is a good, which is a good watch. Um, mm-hmm. And then a few years or a few years, a few weeks ago, they debuted season two, which is very enjoyable as well. Um, and has me on the edge of my seat waiting every week for the next episode to drop because it's so good. And for those of you that don't even know what I'm talking about, White Lotus is a drama on HBO that like, pokes fun at the lives of the rich and famous and uh, just shows just like a lot of the ridiculousness that happens on like resort vacations that are like, you know, very high end resort vacations, like um, and just all the politics around having money and gender dynamics of relationships centered around wealth. And it's just, it's highly enjoyable. So the last season, I think they, I think the first season was in Hawaii, right? Yeah, and the second one's in Italy, right? The second one's oh my in God. Sicily, which brings us to our trip, which I was thinking maybe we should do Sicily. My, this has me thinking about Sicily. Well, my ancestors are from Sicily, so I would okay. definitely be in favor right. of that selfishly. Um, I've never been to Sicily. But I have to say, this is this is really important because you're watching this, and I've been meaning to talk to you about this for a while. So you've now have you watched The Sopranos at all? 
I started watching it at your suggestion in 2020, remember? You like got me to start it. And it was supposed to be the thing that I was going to watch, oh. binge watch as revenge. As re- it wasn't really revenge, but just as like a counter to like, I made you watch all the L word. And I didn't realize you did. You, you watched. I did start it. Yeah, I got pretty far into season one and then it didn't continue. I need to get back into it. I've seen, and I before that, I had seen the, season, the series finale. Like that okay. was my experience. So you know the Chris Moltisanti of it all, AKA Michael Imperioli. Which like he's in this. Uh uh No, because when this was coming out, I was like, oh, my God, I have to tell Mia Michael Imperioli is in it. And then I was like, oh, wait, I don't remember if she's ever seen The Sopranos. But whenever I watch The Sopranos, I'm like, oh, Christopher on The Sopranos is like Mia's type. Like he's definitely Mia's type. Like she would be in love with him. Like if she got really deep into this show. It's really interesting (laughs) that you bring this up for so many reasons. Um. So one is, um, I didn't watch The Sopranos long enough to like develop to develop a thing for him. He's not, he doesn't become super major in the first season. He's just sort of like yeah. um, a soldier in the first season. He's like a foot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. And so there's that aspect to it. But we start watching White Lotus and Joe points out like, oh, like, he must be your type because of his nose. So, you know, <laughs> Joe's aware. Joe's aware, right? Like, you get For me, it get wasn't completely it. about the nose. It was more just like, I don't know, his Christopherness, his whole, like his whole thing, his whole vibe. Yeah, his whole vibe. So, whole vibe. so yes, I will. I will say it's something I don't admit. His character doesn't seem worthy of my affection is really the headline. So Ooh. that's part of what I'm struggling with. Yeah. But like, yes, I guess on some level, when I watch him in White Lotus, I'm like, hmm. <laughs> There is, there is still like a, hmm. <laughs> and he's, it's not, it's not a spoiler to say his character is on a family vacation um, with his father and his son. So it's like a multi-generational men, uh, men like men trip, men's trip. Yeah. Or whatever. And his father has an even bigger nose, if it's possible. So Joe and I are uh, like, uh, Joe and I, 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 you know, it's one of those things where I'm like, wow, like this is how we, this is how we got here. Where like in the zeitgeist we are arguing about things that to me like don't really feel like there are two sides to be argued, but like in my mind the the, the actor who plays uh, Michael Imperioli's father on White Lotus has an unequivocally bigger nose like it's just oh dramatically bigger, and Joe's over here being like no Michael Imperioli's nose is bigger huh, and that argument really highlighted for me like why there's both sides. You know, with Charlottesville, Virginia, who's blamed on both sides. Like, we're in this part, we're in this culture where people can just argue their way two sides of anything. Everyone's a litigator. Everyone has both sides. It's so annoying. But it's, like, so clear that, like, his father, the actor who plays his father, has a way bigger nose. Okay, let me... So, is, is should I look at this first photo? Oh, I know this actor. What's the name of the actor who is playing his father? Yeah, the one where they're walking side by side with yeah. the older guy yeah, yeah. on the right. Yeah. Okay, so is like so Joe thinks that that Michael Imperioli's nose is bigger. I need a profile shot because from this front view, so the father's nose is clearly wider, but I could imagine yes. that Michael Imperioli's protrudes more. Yes, and you know, and that's probably how we got here. So, like, what does it mean to have a big nose? You know, and I'm all about like surface area. Like, how much of your face, in, like, in like dead, in like when you're dead on looking at someone, 
how much of their face does this nose take out? I think that's and, a fair and, and, way to judge. And, and Joe probably is thinking in profile view, how far out does someone nose go? You know, whereas I'm very much about how much real estate does this nose take up on your face? <laughs> Well, we, you and I talked about this offline, but the Magic Mike's last dance trailer dropped, which is a gift to bisexuals yes. everywhere. Yes. I mean, I'm yes. sad that it's the yes. last yes. dance, but I guess Channing Tatum can't dance to Pony when he's like 50. He could. I'd watch it. I know. He had a, he had, he had a good run. He had um, a real good run. One of my favorite things to do is to watch Step Up now. Oh, um because it's gone through an arc you know first i liked it legitimately you know <laughs> now i can watch it and go you know before it was like <clears throat> listen to this arc first it was like i like this film then it was like the acting's bad but the dancing is good yes oh I, my God. I feel like and that then, was when you made me watch it right and then yeah. to 2022 it's like no everything about this is bad <laughs> The acting is including the dancing. The dancing, the dancing might be worse. The dancing might be worse <laughs> than the acting. And I'm ashamed. But is it Save the Last that... Dance levels of bad? Yes, it's interchangeable. I gotta watch that then. It's and, and, the, and here's the here's 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 why here's why because <laughs> like there's a whole arc in Save the Last Dance where it's like Julia Stiles is supposed to be in. Uh, not not arrhythmic, but like a dancer in need of some urban guidance. You know, like she needs she needs some of like Sean Patrick Thomas, who's by the way is like one of the most square black actors alive. But like, <laughs> he even he even plays like square characters, like always. You know what always. I mean? Like then, that's his type. And then all of a sudden, and then all of a sudden, he was still like the like kid on the up and up like he's gonna go to georgetown and she says georgetown and carrie washington says georgetown when he gets into georgetown but anyway so he's like still <laughs> supposed to be like the kid from the hood that's on the up and up but he's still got enough gangster groove to like help julia styles like get some rhythm right and so the scenes where she's like at where she's dancing and it's like not appealing to look at we're supposed to be like oh like well that's just her having to like well, she's acting because she's acting that she can't dance. But if you watched 10 Things I Hate About You and, she, and you saw her get down to hypnotize on the table, you already know she's got some flavor. So we're supposed to be like good with the little moments where she's not really dancing. Step Up is a movie that is about like the like LaGuardia-esque level school of That's the arts right. in Baltimore. Yes. These are supposed where, to be the best like, dancers all like the on little the kids yeah. are the product. Right. And, right. and Channing Tatum <laughs> stumbles upon this school because he like commits a, a crime and has to go work there as community service. And then he like sees the kids dancing and they see him dance and they're like, oh my God, you should go to this school and you should help with this um, showcase we're putting on. It has like center stage vibes there for a second. So like he's now, you know, attending the school sort of and like helping this girl come up with you know her like final piece or whatever is like her big dramatic you know final showcase thing and so that's supposed to be good dancing and so that's what makes it worse because it's like you watch it later and you're like no though <laughs> what we're seeing here is not okay because it's just like basically him spinning on the floor but like 
looking cute mm-hmm. doing it. Yeah. Like what's doing the like what's doing the work is not that Channing Tatum is a good dancer, it's that like he is hot. Yes. Oof. And then they're like, he's so hot, you won't notice that his dancing is mediocre. Because mm-hmm. you're just excited to see a white boy spin on the floor. It's like, no. Yeah. yeah. They took us for a ride and they let me I got taken for a ride, you know? Yeah. I was so desperate for representation, I let I let them get me. Oh. You know? Yeah, you know, they let me. You knew. I'm moving into major like hibernation season. It's it's hit me very hard in the last week. Like all I want to do is comfort, comfort, comfort. Just major. I know. I'm, like, a big Just last bear night. Right now. Just last night. What? Just last night, I ripped out my slow cooker. You know, <gasps> it's winter when you got the slow cooker out, and then I I slow cooked uh, a pork roast. Oh my god! Um, I got turned and on. Like, when you just and said. like, <laughs> and like, and uh, like, I made a roast. Made, made made like a tomato. Like I made like a tomato marinade thing so that like it would all just like sink into the get pork roast here. so that it would it would cook enough so that it, like here. you know it basically like falls off the bone. Get and then the I fuck shredded out of here. it. So then I shredded it and no. and used it as the as 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 I made I made shredded pork tacos. Stop it! And I had them for. I had them for lunch today, and I have enough so for a, I have enough to have the rest for dinner tonight. Domestic, mm-hmm. domestic goddess. I know. Oh, I got one of those texts. I, I also gave Joe some he could take for lunch, and he was like, "Did you give it to him in like a little lunch box, like a little lunch pail?" I gave him a little. I gave him one of those little glad like. Oh my god. Free sectioned thingies. Did you like, give him a little tortillas? No. Okay, you're no. Really cute. <laughs> No, but it was like little tortillas and like little, like a little, like put some like mango salsa and then like some like diced tomatoes and some diced onion. And then I had the shredded pork in another dish. Mm -hmm. Okay. You're being very cute. Listeners. (laughs) Are you doing spanky voice? Should we tell the listeners? Oh, what what we're doing next week? Should we? Should we tell the listeners what we're doing next week and our broader plans? I mean, oh, we should maybe tell the community. Well, you don't want it to be a, a, a surprise, I guess. Like in the yeah. final, we don't want to like drop it on them in the final. Yeah. So we have we have a few more episodes left after this one. A few more. Maybe three. Only three more. We're doing three ninjas <laughs> next week. Then we're doing Growing Pains, the Leo episodes, which is going to be a journey. Oh, okay. Look, I'm already, I'm already, I'm already, I'm already. No, you're um, not. You're already what? Look, look I'm just naming. I'm, I'm going to talk the whole time. Like, Great. So Great. I can't wait to hear what you have to say. <laughs> I'm just excited um, to watch them. Basically, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. I know you are. It's going to take gotta, you right back and, there. And and I'm going to bring, oh my God, because that means I have to watch the Leo episodes, which honestly, yeah, yeah. I might do that tonight and Ooh, it might kill me. I know. It might honestly kill me because like <laughs> I can remember being that age pre, it was like elementary, upper elementary school, like pre-Titanic fame, mm-hmm. pre-Romeo and Juliet fame, Leo. Oh my God. And literally being like the world has stopped. I don't know who this actor is. But this little Luke runaway story on Growing Pains needs to be the whole goddamn show. Because, like, like, I I can't. Like, I literally can't. Can't. I can't. Are are we still doing The Good Son? And then we are doing The Good Son, which I think is... What a way to end. What a a dark note. I know. I'm excited. 
You keep saying that, but I think it's going to make us laugh a lot, too. Is it? Is it? <laughs> yeah, I think there are going to be a lot of iconic, iconically evil lines in that movie. But what you were saying before we started going through our upcoming episodes is that <sighs> this is the last planned season of this podcast, which doesn't mean that it's over. We've already said that there will probably be one-off episodes here and there, little, little special episodes, but the the weekly the weekly is is not going to be happening anymore. Sadly. Yeah, I like I like I like a special episodes format. I do too, and I feel like, I mean, our I think our funniest and most lively episodes are the one where there's like a theme or like we're doing a top 10 list or like we're yeah exactly yeah it just it injects something like really special into the space yeah so those are some good times especially because like you know i've always marveled at this process because like we don't really like and i was i think i came to you uncertain about well not really anything about podcasting in general like how like how uh coordinated does this have to be should we be like Not storyboarding our episodes and <laughs> we you were like chill <laughs> you were like chill you were like chill but that's what i love about like listening to our best episodes because i'm like yo we just did that shit like it just but here's the thing though like happened. you here's the thing though like i think that to be fair like i think i have a sense of like what people in my life are funny and what people in my life are actually entertaining to listen to conversation wise, like the number of scripts that I've written that are like based on conversations that you and I have, like we're entertaining as shit. Like when you get us together, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like we just are like naturally and you're naturally an incredibly funny person. So I just knew like if the space was created for that, like it's the best. It's better when, when we're not planned, you know what I mean? I was actually, I was planning on, I think I'm going to announce on my mailing list or something that we're ending the podcast and I'm going to like do a top five episodes kind of thing. Just be like, oh, these are our best episodes. Like, oh, listen to them, you know. I also think now that it's closing at this time, both like in our lives and in like the zeitgeist, like it's an interesting like podcast, like pandemic, like time. Yes. Okay. My my laptop's going to die. What a note to end on. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Three ninjas. If only, if only humans could just recharge their batteries. Wow. And their lives. Dude. Bro.